people just like you have taken the brave step to do this thing we call work differently. They tell their self-unlimited story to inspire and encourage you. Another story begins now. Today, it's my pleasure to be talking with Joanne about the conversation of value. Hi, Joanne. Hi, Helen. And let's be honest, it's my absolute pleasure to be here as well. Oh, thank you. We're going to talk about value today because you told me this very interesting little anecdote from a time when you were working, I believe there was a forklift factory involved in a conversation with some guys on the yard. So let's just jump in and start with that story and see where we go from here. It is true because when we were having that conversation, I was taken back to this point in time. I was much younger and I had been sent out to a forklift factory in Queensland to inform them that the salary increases for this year were pitiful at best. And I guess the reality is this organisation had a history of having pretty mediocre salaries anyway. Right. And I had to stand up in front of them and try to not only justify but sell the benefit of these really low salary increases for the year. Difficult situation. Uh, yeah, I probably didn't appreciate just how difficult it was until I was there. Yeah. And they started challenging me. And at one point, they actually said to me, well, seriously, are you going to tell us that you're happy with your salary? And I said to them, that's not why I work here. And I still remember their faces. They were quite shocked. And one of them said, well, what do you work here for? And I said to them, I'm quite early on in my HR career, so there are certain things that I want to gather, certain skills and experiences, and one of them in particular was industrial relations. Uh, and, Helen, I'm sure you can appreciate working in a forklift business, there yes. was lots of industrial relations yes. to be gained. And I said to them, that is what I'm here for because I can't get that experience in many other places. And I remember the silence as they just digested that. And I said to them, some of us will be motivated by money because that's what's important to us at this point in time. But I'm not one of those people. That's not what's most important at this point in time for me. And, and I just said to them, think about what else is here that motivates you to stay here. Mm. Which raises some very interesting questions about the whole idea of value and what it is that you get in compensation for the work. And I've been starting to use that language, compensation, rather than salary, because salary automatically jumps to money, whereas I think compensation gives us a much broader palette from which to work from. So, Joanne, what's the other things that have been in your compensation mix from when you've been working? Because it sounds like it, it will have changed over time and changed in context. It has changed. I love that, by the way, Helen, compensation. I love broadening it out like that because it is a palette and it has changed over time. So if I think, for example, about after I had a family, what I was seeking in terms of compensation then was very different. You know, my workplace was 45 minutes away in the morning when mm. there was no traffic but it could be an hour and a half sometimes at night when I hit that peak hour traffic coming home. So 
one of the things I was really looking for there was a level of flexibility. And I, I know that can be different for everyone, depending on who you are and how you define that term in, you know, in your life. But for me at that point in time, being able to choose my work hours, choose mm-hmm. my work days, that was a really important level of compensation that kept me engaged at that workplace. And would you have gone for another job if there had been the flexibility mix that was of greater value or a particular flexibility mix? Is that something that would factor in the decision about whether to stay or go? It definitely would have. But what I became acutely aware of is that it wasn't just flexibility. So the other piece that I wanted in that compensation palette Mm. was development and challenge. So it wasn't enough. I didn't want to go back just to a job where, yes, I could pick the days and the hours to make it work around my family and my husband's obligations. But I wanted to go back and be stretched and challenged. And they absolutely did that for me. So there was this really nice trade off about, okay, I'm traveling this time, I'm putting in these hours. But I'm getting a level of flexibility and I'm getting development and challenge. I still feel like I'm progressing. And in that mix, were there things in particular you wanted to put into this organization that you were you that you would be valued for? I think one of the things that was important to the organization, but something that I felt I could contribute was a lot of mentoring of mm-hmm. younger professionals in the organization you know, and really fostering that skill uplift across the human resources department. Was that something that had been required in the position description or was that sort of informal in that you had the ability to do it and that was something you wanted to contribute and therefore you were finding ways to contribute it? Yeah, it's an interesting question because it definitely wasn't anything that was documented in a position description, but it was certainly something that I identified that I could contribute and it led to this skill uplift so that on the days where I wasn't there, you know, there's this greater level of capability Mm. and capacity that sat in the team around me. I do believe that organizations have an ecosystem where that value can create some other value, which can create some other value. And you can kind of have this value chain going on. And like you say, there could be almost a sense where by mentoring, you're getting that capability uplift. By getting that capability uplift, other people are getting some development and stimulation. So you are the inputting to their development and stimulation, while at the same time, making them more capable such that you might not need to be there, which means you get flexibility. (laughs) I love when you express the chain like that. Yeah, it's re- it's a really nice virtuous circle. Yes, and one of the things that I find with the conversation about compensational value, it's usually seen on what you're going to get out of it. Whereas I've been in many situations where people have said something like, oh, I don't feel valued around here. And if you dig a little deeper, it's not so much about what they're getting out. It's what they want to put in. And that, or that they feel they need to express about themselves or that they see a need. It's just the way they see the world or a strength and it's not being appreciated. So it's about what they're contributing, not being appreciated rather than getting something in return for it. Yes. And I can absolutely relate to hearing that stated, you know, when I was working in different organizations and that resonates people saying, I'm not valued. But in actual fact, 
what they were contributing, they weren't even recognizing necessarily where the opportunities to be recognized for that were. Yes, yes. There's many flavors and contributions and if we kind of even take that to the analogy of food it's the different ingredients and spices both for an individual that will make your relationship with an organization particularly enticing and and wanting you to keep there but also serve the richness of the organization and what it can do and what that ripple effect might be to others around yes it's quite a skill in itself I think to be able to sit back and consider it through that lens Mm. As an HR person, was there times where you could see the value that a person had to contribute and you were in a position of maybe bringing that to their attention and helping them find an opportunity to express that or contribute that meaningfully? I think one of the most obvious examples that jumps to my mind is, and I'm going to talk generally because there's more than one example of this. Those leaders that manage their teams very effectively without any fuss it's very easy for them to go under the radar and I used to recognize them because the teams would just quietly get on get things done in fact what would often happen is other leaders would poach people out of that team right that's okay the leader would still continue to grow and develop and recruit more people and yet they were often the leaders that weren't recognized by the organization. The organizations typically recognize the very visible leaders that swoop in and with the charisma and the high energy deal with a crisis, even though that leader probably created the crisis in the first place. Indeed. Indeed. Back to ripple effects. (laughs) Exactly. And so I always really enjoyed working with those quiet, achieving leaders to help them, for want of a better phrase, to step into their own power and to recognize what it was that they were doing so powerfully and then help them find a way to talk about that value that they were contributing to the organization. One of the things that brings up for me is that often people, you said though there's a kind of a quietness, it's value that they can contribute or an environment that they're in that is as natural to them as breathing and it doesn't occur to them that they're breathing and you you look and think well if you were put in an environment where the oxygen stopped you would suddenly have a greater appreciation for breathing and what you do naturally and you just do automatically and you don't think about and I think about one of the other conversations that you and I had had that was so fascinating is that when you're inside an organization it's very normal all the things that go on and when you go outside an organization you have this moment like what I didn't realize I was getting this and that and I'm no longer getting that and it's the absence of something that often brings the value to the foreground rather than the presence of something so tell us about your experience of leaving an organization and identifying sort of in hindsight what was valuable to you and then what you did about that Yes. And I really think it comes back to something that we've already talked about, which is development and challenge. So, you know, there were some things very much at the forefront of my mind when I went out into my own business that I was already conscious, okay, these things are valuable to me. How do I recreate those? And I did that quite purposefully. But there were some things like the development and challenge that caught me off guard. Mm -hmm. So I had really just taken for granted that 
The organization would stimulate me, challenge me, push me in ways that I hadn't contemplated before. You know, I was always blessed with a very good leader who would prod and poke me into different areas. But of course, in my own business, there was no one there to do that. And it was only when I got this kind of funny feeling about something's missing and I really had to sit and contemplate what that was. And it was only then that I realized, oh, I'm missing going to this course or having this, you know, stretch conversation with someone who thinks quite differently to me or having someone poke me and say, have you contemplated mm. looking at something from this perspective? And then I had to go and cultivate that for myself. Is there other things that you identified that you were missing? Yeah, the other thing that I identified, and I, I probably identified this ahead of time, was a sense of community. Mm-hmm. So when you're in an organisation, well, let me backtrack because this was something that had been present for me much earlier. It was yes, when yes. I was making a transition between careers. So from one organisation to another, but quite different career. I'd originally been a secondary teacher. Wow. Yes. And so I went and had this conversation with, and I was in a Catholic school and it was with brother Tim. And I said to brother Tim, I'm leaving. I'm going into a HR career. And he was very supportive. Congratulations. It's wonderful. And I said, oh, brother Tim, I said, I'm a bit worried though. I I think I'm going to miss this sense of community that we have in the school. And he very wisely said to me, Joe, if that's something that you know is important to you, don't worry. He said, because you will find that wherever you go, Mm. it it will create itself around you. And he was right. Wherever I went in organizations, I would find my little community where I'd get that sense. However, going out into my own business, I was very conscious that wouldn't necessarily exist if I was working with different clients all the time. Right. Something I take from that story is it started with a sense of awareness. And I think many people aren't even aware community is the thing that I'm valuing, putting even language on it. So I think there's something really powerful. And and Brother Tim was giving you some wonderful advice there because from that point of awareness, then there's a sense for you, awareness might be, and not only am I aware of it, I'm aware of it because it's something I'm desiring. And if I'm desiring it, it's something my radar will be attuned to find, to look for, to cultivate. Well, I am a massive believer in be careful where you're putting your attention. Right. (laughs) So it can work in both ways, right? So if I know what it is that I'm desiring in what I need, then I pay attention to that. Mm. But to your earlier point, if all I'm focusing on is that I'm not getting what I want, I'm not getting recognized Mm. for this value, then that's what's going to be front of mind for me Mm. as well. So it really is shift your attention to what you do want, what is important. And there is a big piece of self-awareness and being present to what is it that I'm feeling and wanting and needing Mm. for this meaningful for me at this point in time. And I think that's a key point at this point in time, because you mentioned a few points of transition in your career. There was the point where you were young and wanting certain experience in HR. There was a point where you were transitioning from secondary school to HR, a point where there was 
children and um, maternity leave involved. Do you see at those points that the things that you valued and the value you wanted to get was different? Some yes, and many no. <laughs> Can you give us some examples of the ones where you see clearly, because I, I, to the point about money, when I've had conversations with young people, in their early 20s, they're often like, there is nothing else but money. What, what would you want that's money? And when I've talked to people in their 40s, there's a point where their life has moved on. And it's like, well, you know, this money is important, but less important because there's other things that are important to me now. Yes, absolutely. So I would say things that have not changed for me is that sense of wanting to be developed and stretched and yep. challenged and learn and community there's some very stable things there for me yes but the things that have changed absolutely money money was important at a point in time you know much higher up the list than other things specific skills were important like the industrial relations mm. there were other times where really delving into my coaching skills was the biggest focus you know at the moment I'm really focused on, right, where can I get that learning about somatic experiences, you know, in the body being right. present. So there will be things that change along the way for me, but there's always this undercurrent as well of core things that don't seem to change. Mm. And I think that's wonderful that you have an awareness of that and that it becomes a sort of a theme so when people like, you know, here we are in the time of the pandemic. And for many people, there's a sense of like disruption, uncertainty. Well, you know, what's all going on in the world? And I think there is some value in knowing there are some things that are core to my needs. If I make sure I've got some stability around those, I won't necessarily have stability around everything. If I know some things that are core and I can kind of hold on to those, that can give me at least an anchor point, something to hold on to while I'm contemplating everything else shifting around me or having to renegotiate that. Definitely. I think it's brilliant to have that anchor point and to remind myself that I'm getting this. This is the value that I'm getting from this experience at this point in time. And therefore, I'm okay to make this contribution mm. in exchange. I heard this wonderful quote recently that I'm going to keep using, and it said, I'm not failing, I'm learning. Yes. Well, you know, it's very similar to what Edison said. You know, I've just learned a thousand ways that it doesn't work. Indeed, indeed. And I think that's even in that, there's value of having put yourself out there. And one of the things when I think about, opportunities that I might take and people often think but and, and as you're aware there's one that yes. I've recently took that's at a low paying level but for me it's yes there's a level of money that is necessary for things in life and but beyond that from an opportunity point of view I looked and thought well I'm going to have a fabulous story to tell people even if it's just at cocktail parties and dinner parties so true. So <laughs> which, true. which is kind of like well you know that makes me a slightly more interesting person but then out of that because of the different work that I can do there's themes and insights from those stories which are for me like wow I didn't know people in the world were thinking like that or behaving like that wow and because particularly around this notion of values in the eye of the beholder it highlights to me wow I was valuing something particularly and now that I'm in relationship with these people in a different situation they're valuing something very different than me wow 
oh and and there's these moments where you know it almost kind of feel like well gosh that was so ignorant of me I should have been more open to the world but it just reminds me that sometimes we can be in a bubble and that some opportunities have their value simply by taking you somewhere and contemplating other Oh, that resonates so strongly for me, Helen, because I love when, you know, I work with a lot of leaders. I love when they can have behavioral flexibility. Mm. And what you're talking about really resonates because of that. You know, when we take ourselves into different experiences or different opportunities, and we'll always be looking for some sort of value exchange, but sometimes the unexpected value can be that it opens us up to different value systems, different worldviews. Yes. And in having an appreciation of those, actually it allows us to be more flexible in the way that we interact with people in the world. And it's such intangible value. I think that sometimes people almost think that, and that's why I want to move away from the language of money. But unfortunately, because some things are so intangible, it kind of feels like, how can I kind of make it in concrete terms for you? Well, you know, would you exchange money for this thing? Has it got that level of value that you'd either hand over some cash for it, or you'd sacrifice some cash to have that thing, which, yeah, as I said, there's a bit of a tension there for me. It's like, I don't want to be talking about money, but some of these things are so intangible that we're very acculturated to a world to think of it in terms of its financial value and if it doesn't have a a financial value equated to it then it must have no value at all yeah and I find myself coming full circle to the forklift story because that's essentially what I did in that scenario Mm. you know that job did not pay well Mm. there are no two ways about it and was I ever going to get paid well in that organization no so I essentially did trade off a financial benefit for a learning benefit in that scenario. So I think mm. you know, the, the tangible way that you position that is absolutely right. Would I pay cash for this experience? Yes, and I did. Well, particularly when you say from from a training course, sometimes when I think about an opportunity that I might get involved in, I think, so if this was actually a training course that was going to be two weeks long and there was going to be a teacher involved and they were asking me to hand over a couple of thousands of dollars to attend the training course with all of that versus I'm not handing over any money, there's nobody going to be training, but I'm not going to get income because I'm volunteering my services. There's kind of an equivalency to that it's like well okay rather than giving away the money I'm not getting the money from this but there's still learning happening and if you're quite intentional about your objectives going in and what you want to get out of it then you will do that Indeed. And I think there's something about the kind of value that can be around that, because for many people, it's like, yes, but I went on that training course because I get a certificate and a recruiter and an HR person is going to value that I had a certificate. And I think, no, 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 a certificate's just proxy for saying we believe that you have accumulated this body of knowledge. If you could come along and say, with a story, let me tell you about this thing that I did and what I learned from it and what I gained from it. And here's the insights, you know, which is a body of knowledge in itself. I don't have a certificate to go with it. And I've just been even playing around with the idea of like, well, make your own certificate. I'd like to say there was a certificate of completion for two weeks on this opportunity. And I'll give you a little bit of a report or rundown of you, like the equivalent of the transcript of the five things that I learned or I'm going to take away 
I love it. And I can't wait to see the certificate that you write for yourself after your recent experience. Given your experience in HR, if I came along as a person saying to you, hey, no, I didn't go on a course and, you know, sit my bottom for two weeks and get a certificate from an exam. I came along with this story. How would you value those? I would more highly value that story. And specifically because it demonstrates a level of self-awareness, you know, that people don't often move through the world with. So it would show me that you had engaged in an activity thoughtfully and been able to step back and think about and consider the learning that you had gained from that and be able to translate it and explain how it's transferable then in mm. so many other circumstances. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to have to test this out with a few HR managers because I do think there is such a strong sense of like the value is the certificate. And I think that's just a proxy. The value is actually that you accumulated this knowledge, but it is highly questionable that just because you went on that course and could pass the exam, that you have accumulated knowledge at all or the kind of knowledge that actually can be applied because I think there's a lot to be said about experience and that's one of the things that I think about then you said this too that you wanted the experience and experience is a kind of commodity and again I hate that word but it has value in itself that and and for particularly when there might be young people who are listening to this they're very aware that I'm trying to get a job and because I can't put in a resume I worked here with this title and I worked here with this title well can you be creative and think I still have value to contribute in fact I actually have my nephew who's now in his mid-20s but when he was in his early 20s working on his resume Auntie Helen looked over it and he had put down that he'd been a labourer's assistant for 12 years and kind of went you're 20 how could you have done this for 12 years and then I realised he had put down about his father's business because he actually had been a labourer assisting his father's contracting business first of all when he was nine it might have been cleaning out the buckets but by 12 he was actually on machinery and equipment and doing stuff that 20 year olds couldn't do and I thought actually good on you you actually have a valid case to say that you have nine years experience as a labourer's assistant on a contracting thing on one hand, I was kind of like, oh, that's a bit cheeky. On the other hand, <laughs> good on you for standing up yeah, because that's, that's something you can actually have a good story to tell. And it does show a level of consistency um, over time as well and that you grew just as your human development was growing in terms of what you could do appropriate at nine years of age and then even then what you were doing at 12 years of age that was way beyond what maybe 20-year-olds could do. Yes, I can imagine And this is true. You know, I just had a conversation with a leader the other day about particular skills that they were finding difficult and believed that they didn't have what it took to work with their staff. And yet, when we just looked just adjacent, just Mm -hmm. outside the workplace, there they were being a magnificent soccer coach and embodying all these skills that they needed as a leader. They just hadn't recognized or transferred that value into another context. And that's a wonderful story about when I use the word workscape is that as a person, you have many places in which you do work-like activities. And I'm trying to encourage people to get away from work as being, well, I gave my time and talent, according to this PD, in exchange for money, is that's work and everything else is life. It's like, well, no, you may have been giving your time and your talent 
and the stuff that you were doing as a soccer coach and no you weren't getting money back for it but there were you know there's probably the delight of working with children and the ability to use your skills and and encourage your own children and other children what they're doing and just the joy of being outside and fresh air and all those many things but people tend to write that no 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 there's a work boundary and that's why I use the notion of workscape to say there are many places and things that move backwards and forwards that you can utilize Yes, if you just broaden your perspective a little about where you're contributing value and gaining value. Yes. Well, particularly when we consider even this notion of retirement, because I think this kind of age at 65, like someone at 65, the money stops coming in. But I think where we are currently right now, people are likely to live to be 90. Well, Prince Philip, 99 years of age. He only retired three years ago. So while he might not have been getting money, there's potentially 30 more years after 65 in which you are going to do something. Surely you're not just going to sit around on a chair or play a game of golf, but if golf's where you want to be, great. But there are other <laughs> things that you might want to be doing that look work like or occupational like and it really then moves the conversation but you're not doing it for money well what then is the value that you're wanting to contribute what's the value you're wanting to get out of it and I take that to another level and think so if universal basic income came in and the money became less of a uh, yes. forefront because everybody was getting a basic level of money that they needed for living would decisions then change in terms of what value you wanted to put in or get out or what organizations you would work for oh Helen I can just feel the horror <laughs> because it would certainly force conversations and thought to a different yeah to a whole different plane for a lot yeah. Well, that's what I'm trying to do with that, because both to that point before about the absence of something that people are, I think, so much in a bubble of, no, 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 this is how work works. And this is how the society works and how it all happens. It's like, but what if? What if this was absent or what if it was something different? Not necessarily to say, okay, everybody, we need to totally disrupt and go there. But just to highlight to people, are you aware of what you have now that you have probably overlooked and not valued and can you bring that to the foreground and even if it's just to appreciate it there was one situation with a group of men in an organization where they were complaining and telling me how terrible it was and I sat around the table completely without warning to the manager and just said to the people across the table this sounds like a terrible place to work why are you here seriously how can you get out of bed in the morning and I I was really playing it up in quite a dramatic fashion and the guys were like Oh, well, no, no, well, well, it's not all bad. I said, really? Because the way you were talking, this sounded yeah. like the worst place on earth. I mean, I'm just wondering why you're still here. And then, oh, well, because I'm getting this and I'm getting that. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, oh, but still, it sounds like, no, 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 well, I'm getting this and this is what. And we ended up through this conversation figuring out that it was about, and I even asked them to put numbers on it. So it turned out they were getting about 80% of what they wanted and were happy with and 20% that they weren't. And it, it just shifted the dynamic entirely because they to your point they'd been focusing on this 20 percent that they weren't getting kind of oblivious to the 80 percent that they were getting and weren't valuing and therefore you know creating a dissension in the team and when changes and things were presented kept focusing on that pain and the manager said to me afterwards he said wow Helen boy that really (laughs) the entire conversation and sense of team when you brought that to their attention uh, I, I can imagine, but it, you know, it goes back to what you said earlier. It's easy to focus on what's tangible and our paychecks are tangible. Yes. It takes focus 
and you know a level of commitment to look at all right what else is there and it's often intangible Mm. so what would be some advice that you would give to people or even to your younger self if they were thinking this value thing's been interesting what could I do to take this tension I might be feeling or this awareness that's starting to emerge yeah I think there's two things and we've already talked about some of them but just to be really super clear I think one of them is to spend some time reflecting on what are the more intangible things that are of great value to me that I already know they're in my awareness Mm. and where am I using them already or using them and getting them. Mm. The second thing is what am I not aware of? What are those things that are value that I can contribute or value that I'd like to gain that I haven't recognized, given voice to, and spend some time exploring that. And they might explore that by asking other people Mm. what they see of them. They might spend some time thinking about, you know, times where everything felt so great. Yes, that's a good one. You know, or stories that stick in their mind. That's where you can typically mine through all of that to find Where's the hidden value that I either contribute or that comes to me? The other one that I would say, as I even say that out loud, is there's lots of little strength activities you can do Mm. because we said earlier, Helen, when people are contributing value, it often feels very effortless. It feels like breathing. Mm. And so doing a strength activity and just reminding yourself about what you do and what you do well, often that's where the hidden value sits as well. One tip that I can add to that that I found useful is capturing those different recommendations and testimonials that have over the time, because it's often a little nugget of where somebody else has taken the moment to reflect about you and put something on the table. And it's showing what they perceive as is valuable. But sometimes when you're not sure where your value lies, consider what are other people seeing as valuable about me that they would actually write that down. And so I've kept my different testimonials and recommendations over the years. And it's even both interesting from a transition point of view of like so that's what Helen was showing up like or seen as valuable when she was 20 in the 80s versus you know recent times but that's and it can be just encouraging to yourself like that's right I did that thing and that was valuable to somebody I've forgotten that I'm going to reclaim that back it's so true I often put little bits of feedback that I get just into a, a folder in my inbox Yes. For that very reason, just to read back through. And the other thing that sometimes happens is you see a pattern emerging in some of them. Uh, And I've had that very much too, where you start to think, wow, that person said it and that person said it and that person said it. That's something that I like, really? Why are they commenting? It's like you're commenting on my breathing. And it's one of those moments where I've kind of gone, but, you know, it feels like breathing to me, but they are seeing it as so valuable. Maybe it's not as common as right. I might have perceived it. So not only let me claim it, but let me put that in the foreground, because yeah. at a point that I might be wanting to position myself for certain things, apparently I'm going to just show up that way naturally. So rather than just letting it hide in the background as kind of the wallpaper, it's like, no, 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 front and center, I am a person who is this, and this is the value I can offer. Yeah, I love it, Helen. This has been a wonderful conversation, Joanne. I knew it would. So thank you so much for sharing and riffing with me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I really appreciate the invitation to be here and spend the time with you today. 
Workscapes are changing everywhere. For more goodness to change your workscape, visit www.beselfunlimited.com 